Come along with us as we explore the broad world of preservation and the work being done to preserve, interpret, and save our past in a 21st century world. From aquaculture to historic foodways to forensic modeling, we're talking weekly with experts from across the globe. This is your host, Nick Redding. Welcome to PreserveCast. On this week's PreserveCast, join us as we talk with Carol Boston Weatherford and her son, Jeffrey Boston Weatherford, about their book, Kin, Rooted in Hope. Carol and Jeffrey will share their journey creating this book set in Talbot County, Maryland, which reimagines Y House Plantation and the nearby all-black Reconstruction-era hamlets of Copperville and Unionville, and the research into their ancestors that shaped this narrative. All that and more on this week's PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we're excited to have a conversation with two individuals who are working together on a project, Carol Boston Weatherford and Jeffrey Boston Weatherford. And we're going to be talking about their book, Kin, Rooted in Hope. Uh, And we're going to talk about the journey to creating this book and how we can engage young adults uh, in the story of history, heritage, uh, and our ancestors. and how that process comes together and where you're going to be able to buy this book uh, for someone special in your life. So um, before we get into the story of the book itself and how this all comes together, um, it's really great for us to get to know the people that we're talking with. So um, we've got two people to interview, so I'm going to kind of direct the questions here a little bit to start. Um, but maybe we'll start with Carol and then we'll get to Jeffrey. Um Where'd you grow up and, and what led you down the path towards, uh, you know, becoming uh, an author of a book like this? And then we'll talk to Jeffrey about being the illustrator on something like this. But um, what was your path to kind of telling stories like this? Well, I started writing as a child um, growing up in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, in the historic community of Ashburton uh, in northwest Baltimore. Um Wrote my first poem in first grade. Um, it was not a fluke. My I wrote more poems. My dad, a high school printing teacher, printed some of those early poems. My mom, at my, at my mom's urging, she um, uh, encouraged me quite a bit, as did my teachers at Edgewood Elementary School. Um, we also uh, visited, uh, my family also visited um, our family's home homestead, I guess you would call it, in outside Eastern Maryland when I was a child. So that was kind of my introduction to, to uh, history. Um, but I've been writing all my life and became a children's book author after becoming a mother and noting that there were a lot more diverse books for my, my son, Jeffrey, and my daughter, Caress, than there had been for me. And at that time, I switched from writing poetry for adults to writing for children, uh, primarily uh, hybrid uh, hybrid genre uh, biographies, nonfiction, and historical fiction. And yeah, so I have more than I now have more than seventy books and a son who's an illustrator. I was going to say, and 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 so many of these books, people listening, if you have kids, you probably have seen them in libraries or bookstores or have read them to your children. I know when I was reading your bio, I was like, oh, I read my daughter Moses when Harriet Tubman led her people to freedom, and I don't, I don't think I even made the connection that. Um, that you were the author of that. So there's a lot of really amazing books in, in, in your collection that you've written. Um, and we're going to talk about this one. Um, but it's, it's, um, and we'll talk about the process of writing these and everything, but 
uh, the cool thing on this one is that it's a collaboration with your son as well. So Jeffrey, talk to us about becoming an illustrator. Um, what was the path to doing this, and um, how 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 do you uh, how do you get into illustrating um, in in this case young adult um, uh, literature? Absolutely, absolutely. So from a very early age, I was always drawn to art. I was. I always had a crayon, a pencil, a marker, a paintbrush in my hand, you know, when, when I was creating something um, out of my mind. Um, and in school, I doodled, I doodled my way through class. Uh, and admittedly, I got into trouble, you know, as teachers, they don't really want you to doodle, they want you to pay attention. Um, and as a result, I would forget like all my tests, quizzes, projects, everything that was school related, essentially. If it wasn't attached to my body, I could forget it. Uh, and eventually my mom got fed up with this and you know, had to have a parent-teacher discussion about my artwork and how it was disrupting my studies. And of course, my mom, like a good mother, she got me to stop doodling so much in class. And they came to an idea that it should direct that to extracurricular art activities. So my mom, she put me into art classes outside of school. And that's where I was introduced to all forms of art, um, all different mediums from pastels to oil painting to, to figure drawing and gesture drawing and pen and ink and comic books. And so I was introduced to a whole spectrum of mediums at a young age. And when the opportunity presented itself to actually illustrate a manuscript for my mom, I took the opportunity and, you know, the book took off. Uh, you know, You Can Fly, it was an award-winning book, and that was the, the starting point of my children's book career. It's so fascinating because I feel like people read, I mean, particularly if you have kids, you, you just plow through them with libraries. You're always reading books. And then it's just to think that there's someone behind all that illustration and all the effort that goes into it. And it's, it's really interesting to talk with both of you about that. I'm curious... Um, you know, while we're on the, before we jump in, jump into the book itself, um, talk to us about Jeffrey, like the illustration process. So your mom, well, maybe, maybe I've got this wrong. I presume that you illustrate once you have text, but I could be wrong about that. Um, I guess you could write text to illustration as well. There's probably various ways of doing this, but how does it work in your case? Um, or when you're, when you're collaborating with your, your mother on something like this or, or any other author for that matter, um, how does the illustration process work? How do you come up with what you want it to look like? What's the style? Is there historical research when you're doing historical illustration? Talk to us about that. I think people would be curious about the process of illustrating a book like this. That's a great question. So typically I do have text um, to go alongside my, my creation process. So I would read the manuscript jot down notes, any visions that I have, you know, when I read, I have a very uh, imaginative and uh, visual uh, imagination, if you will. So it will, it will be like a, a movie playing as I read things. So with that being said, I always, I always uh, have the manuscript, you know, more often than not, but I haven't had a, a illustration based writing project, if you will, before that, but that would be, that would be very interesting. Um, and I do use historical uh, reference sites like the library of congress.gov 
Uh, for Ken specifically, my mom sent me a bunch of research, sent me all different types of uh, articles and pictures and as well as family uh, family material that she that she found. So for each book, I would say the the research process is unique. Um, I, this might I know that I think this is a later question, but for instance, right now, with the with a manuscript about MC Escher, I'm doing you know a lot of digging into my childhood, going back to things that I that I remember. MC Escher was one of my favorite artists. So I remember I, I used to look at calendars. I used to read books about MC Escher. I used to play with different styles of uh, styles of illustration that were you know, very geometric. So it's, it's almost like if you can imagine, uh, what is it? Is it, is it character acting or method acting? Right. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the same thing with art. I I do, I, I work to get as much into the, the feeling of the, the timeframe that I'm, that I'm working with and, and into the minds of the characters. So let's talk about these characters and about this book. And this might be a question for Carol. Um, so we've got this new book coming out um, later this year in September um, called Kin, Rooted in Hope. So maybe give us like a quick synopsis. What can people expect from a book like this? Uh, what story are you working to tell? Because, you know, people might be curious, well, why is PreserveCast talking about a, uh, you know, a young adult book? Um, but the the cool thing here is that you're interpreting a historical moment and telling sort of a historical story um, and uh, maybe pe- paint this picture of what people can expect to read um, for someone special in their life if they pick this book up. So Ken Rooted in Hope is a labor of love and a labor of life. It's a it's a it's a life life's work for me. Um, I started visiting Talbot County, Maryland as a child because my dad um, was raised there. Um, my, um, my family is, is, ro- is rooted there, at least one, one branch of my family. And so Ken is set at Y House Plantation, which is a, is a historic property, and in Copperville, Maryland, and Unionville, Maryland. Unionville actually has a historic marker, but Copperville is equally historic. Uh, both of those towns, um, villages rather, are, were reconstruction were founded during the Reconstruction by emancipated uh, people who had, you know people who had been enslaved. Um, among them, my great great grandfathers and Jeffrey's third great grandfathers. So the, it's really um, uh, a historical story um, that re-envisions, reimagines, and re- recreates the, the voices and the, the faces of um, our ancestors and their contemporaries at White House Plantation, um, as well as in Copperville and Unionville. Now, notably, Frederick Douglass was also enslaved at White House. He's actually the most famous resident of Talbot County and, uh, of course, White House Plantation, which was uh, the, the state's largest slaveholding plantation. And he appears in the book as well. He makes several several appearances in the book because he, in fact, pointed me to uh, my fourth great grandfather, who was described in Frederick Douglass's autobiography. Um, our, my fourth great grandfather is Isaac Copper, who was known as Doctor or Minister Isaac Copper. So it's a, it's a story about White House Plantation and Unionville and Copperville and the people who lived and worked there. But it's also the story of me and Jeffrey discovering 
um, our, 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 our family ties, our, our lineage. Um, so that's, I mean, it's really, um, as I said, um, uh, a labor of, of, lo- of life, uh, of love and of life. And it, it, it's, it's my way of kind of giving back to, to not only young readers, but, but to my family, to, to my, my offspring and sharing with them what I've learned about, about our roots and about the lives that they led. It's just a fascinating way of kind of weaving together both family history, but like, and Maryland history, but for listeners all across the country, you know, national and international history. I mean, Frederick Douglass is perhaps one of the most famous Americans ever to have lived. He perhaps, I've I've heard this said before, that he was the most photographed individual of the 19th century. I mean, he was celebrity before we even really had a word for celebrity, um, and yeah, he was, realized the power of the camera. Oh, really I mean, did. the camera, the written word. I mean, he, he was he was just incredible. And to think that he was enslaved at a place like why to bring that story to life in a way that is approachable for young readers, too. Right. Because that's a that's a challenging story. And before we jump over to Jeffrey and talk about illustrating this, um, the history of slavery is not only challenging for an adult reader, but it's, it's obviously very challenging for a young adult reader. How do you approach like a difficult topic like that? How do you, with a, with a young adult reader, um, is there a different sort of care that's taken with that? How do you explain that? And also, I guess we should also say when you, we talk about young adults, what is the, what is the, the sort of the target age for this kind of work that you're doing? Well, generally, we think of young adults as being I mean, 13 and 14 up. Um, so they're teenagers. You know, they 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 know something about U.S. history. Certainly they know about slavery uh, by the time they're young adults. They've studied U.S. history enough times to to know about about slavery. But what I what I attempt to do with with Ken and with all of my work, my historical work, is to provide is through poetry, I, and I neglected to say that Ken is a verse novel, meaning mm-hmm. that the story unfolds through a series of poems. And what I uh, attempt to do through my poetry, uh, my hybrid genre poetry, is to provide emotional context for his uh, for historical events and for the lives of historical figures. And so, what I do in Ken is have poems in the voices of various residents of Y House and of Talbot County and even of, of Harriet Tubman, who, you know, went through went through Talbot County and and led people from enslavement to freedom. So, you know, I, I try to make it personal and in a way that young people can empathize with and to show them that yes, you know, these were the facts. This happened in in 18 whatever and it happened to this person and that person and then that happened. Yeah, that's you know that's those are the facts. But I, as I said, I try to I try to create a story around the facts and provide the emotional context to help kids understand the historical context and the impact on everyday the impact that history had on everyday lives. I feel like there's something really powerful there for anyone listening, whether they deal with young adults or they're doing interpretation at a historic site with difficult history, to hear that that comment about making it so personal. Um, right. And also, I think we oftentimes in the historic preservation and interpretation field overlook things like poetry 
um, and using different ways of telling stories. I think a lot of times we think narrative history is the only way to do it, right? You go out and you tell the story. Um, but there's other ways of doing that. And one of the big pieces of this, of course, is Jeffrey's piece in this is illustration. Um, was this and the I'll first- wait for, before you jump to Jeffrey, sure. I just want to bring in one thing. Since you brought up interpretation, sure. I can remember when Jeffrey was about six or seven years old, there was an, ex- an exhibition called Before Freedom Came that was, um, uh, it, it originated at the Museum of the Confederacy in Richmond, but was had, but, but by the time I had already seen it, but by the time he was seven, it was touring and it came to Greensboro, North Carolina, which is where we, we lived near, near Greensboro at the time. And so I took my kids to the exhibition after school. And I noticed at one point that my daughter was with me, but Jeffrey wasn't. And so we went back and looked for him and he was sitting on a bench. And I said, what are you doing? And Before Freedom Came was about enslavement and also the lives of, of, of free blacks during the enslavement period. And so Jeffrey was sitting on this bench and he said, this just makes me so angry. And, you know, children deserve and demand the truth. And when they see the truth, they know not only what questions to ask, but what emotions to, you know, to to bring up in themselves. So I think it's very important that we don't deny children of an inclusive history. Yeah. And I think that that's Boy, if that isn't a statement that resonates and is important to hear at this moment in time in American history, uh, that's that's an that's an important uh, piece to remember and, and to sort of meditate on there. Um, so, Jeffrey, is this the first time that you and your mom collaborated together? And how did you uh, approach? Did you get a chance to go out to Y House to kind of feel the? that's that space and think about how you're going to do that? Or was it through photography? How did you actually kind of capture the feeling of that place? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we did have the opportunity to go up to Y House. It's actually a kind of a funny story. Um, kind of sad, but kind of funny. Either way, um, we went to Y House later on in the book creation process. It was actually probably like in like the last quarter of creation, got the opportunity to walk around the property, um, meet. My mom got the chance to, to speak with uh, some of the family members. Um, and I got the, a chance to meet some of the, the help that was on the, the farm uh, currently. So I did get to incorporate some of that energy within, within the project. And I'm thankful for that. Um, definitely. And I'm sorry, the first part of the question, could you, could oh, you refresh yeah. me? No, I was just curious if this was the first time you collaborated with your mom. Oh, okay. So no, this is not. We've been collaborating for a long time, officially since 2016, though, with, with our uh, You Can Fly book. This is about the Tuskegee Airmen. Yes, about the Tuskegee Airmen, correct. So talk to us about and actually, you know, before we do that, why don't we take a break here? We'll come back, talk about the research that went into this and then what you're working on next, because you've touched so many important uh, topics and, and points in American history. But we'll do that. Let's take a break and we'll come back. Historic preservation can't happen without skilled tradespeople to perform the work. And there's a critical need right now for those tradespeople. The Campaign for Historic Trades, powered by Preservation Maryland, is working to meet that need by strengthening apprenticeship opportunities within historic trades. In partnership with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center and Conservation Legacy, the campaign is currently recruiting for NPS 
Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, or TTAP. TTAP is an intensive 20-week apprenticeship that provides young adults the chance to learn historic trade skills while working on America's most iconic historic sites. Multiple positions are open for the 2022 season at national parks across the country. Visit historictrades.org for more information on TTAP and how to apply today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Uh, we're excited to be having a conversation today with Carol Boston Weatherford and also Jeffrey Boston Weatherford. And um, we're, we've been talking all about the process that goes into creating a book and their new book, uh, as we've been talking about, Kin Rooted in Hope, that is set at Y Plantation on the eastern shore of Maryland, a place where um, many individuals uh, were enslaved um, and perhaps uh, most famously uh, where um, Frederick Douglass was enslaved. But many people... Um, are, come across through this book. We, we understand that uh, Harriet Tubman makes an appearance in this book as well, who was um, uh, known to have uh, traversed the landscapes of Talbot County and near Easton, uh, Maryland. Um, and I'm curious the process that goes into researching something like this. So I understand the illustration process, getting out there, seeing the space, seeing the place, um, coming up with sort of getting on the Library of Congress and seeing clothing and things that would, you know, sort of um, be able to kind of tell that story. How did you tease out which stories you were going to tell through um, through poetry in a book like this, Carol? Um, what, what is the research process like? Because I know a lot of your books, not all of them, a lot of them, I was going to say all of them, you know, have, you know, they, they tell a really powerful historical story. Um, so how do you make sure that you're kind of like honoring that past while also sort of interpreting it through poetry? What kind of research process goes into these? I think that Jeffrey and I have been subconsciously uh, unconsciously researching this all our lives because we've, we've been visiting Talbot County all our lives, going to uh, land that uh, and, and staying uh, on land that uh, has been in our family since Reconstruction in, in the village of Copperville. Um, you know, I was researching it when I, you know, went in my great grandparents' house as a girl and uh, saw my great great grandfather's picture hanging on the wall and learned that he had been enslaved. Now, I wasn't necessarily told a lot of stories about um, the enslavement period or even about Reconstruction when I was a child, but have since kind of put together some of those stories um, because uh, local historians have recognized the value of those stories and, you know, have gotten historical markers and had, they have the Frederick Douglass Honor Society is in Talbot County and they, you know, commemorate Frederick Douglass every, every few years. So that was, you know, I was unconsciously researching it before I even knew that I was going to write a book. Um, once I uh, intended to write a book, I, uh, of course, referenced Frederick Douglass's uh, autobiographies, um, particularly the one that mentioned um, Isaac Copper, my my relative. Um, I went to the Maryland Room at uh, Talbot County Library. I went to Maryland Historical Society, where I accessed the Lloyd family papers, which included an inventory, well, various inventories of people who were enslaved at at Y House. I also visited uh, Y House and. Um, you know, toward the at least the first floor of the home, and toward the the uh, Lloyd Cemetery, and also went to 
the burial ground where enslaved residents of White House um, were, um, were were laid to rest. Um, I'm looking not only at um, like reports about the uh, his, uh, about the history of slavery in Maryland, but I um, looked at slave ship databases to try to figure out what um, ship our ancestors or ships our ancestors may have come over on. We never were able to figure that out. Um, I looked at the furniture in the house. I looked at you know material culture, for example, too, because many of uh, some of our ancestors were um, house servants, and so that was you know the the, the great houses, Frederick Douglass called it, was part of their world. Um, and I walked I walked the fields, um, and the, but the most powerful place that I went to was that burial ground, and that's where I, I was just overcome with 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 tears um, when I when I stood on the ground where. Um, my ancestors were buried, and I think where my great fourth great grandfather may have preached under the under the canopy of trees. What a powerful process! And also, I think people, many people who you know pick up a book for their kids or for their teenager, might not know all of that goes into these. And I think that that really speaks to the not only the just the the what the product that comes out of it and how valuable it is, but the seriousness with which you approach this process. So the book is coming out this September. People can pick it up. We'll have a link in the show notes for how you can uh, advance order your copy. Um, I'm curious, you know, this this is this is a powerful topic. What's what's next for you and in, in Jeffrey? Um, are you going to let we were talking before about him uh, doing illustration and you writing text? Are you going to let him illustrate and you have to figure out the text this time? Or uh, how are we? What, what's next? I can't imagine you guys are stopping here. No, Jeffrey already mentioned that we're working on a um, a project. It's an uh, a verse, a picture book biography in in verse of um, MC the artist MC Escher, Escher, who is Dutch, and we're also working on um, a verse novel, a hip hop novel that's set in Baltimore. Uh, we're working. Jeffrey's a, one thing we haven't mentioned thus far is that Jeffrey's also a poet. Um, the apple does not far fall far from the tree, evidently. Um, so he's, you know, he, we collaborate as, as writers as well. And so we've got a book coming out called wrap it up, uh, about it's a picture book about how kids can, uh, create their own raps, rap lyrics. And Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's a rapper. So Jeffrey, is that, so did you, did you write the prose for that one or is there a collaboration on the prose there? So I did write the, the actual bars for that. And my mom assisted. She helped, uh, I guess, played a doctor with it and helped direct with her expertise of the children's book industry, helped me uh, structure it in a manner to uh, deliver it as we see, as we wanted it to be delivered. And when can we expect to read that book? When does that come out? Um, Hopefully it should be out by 2024. I think so. I think so. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. So it's be- being illustrated by someone else, by the way. I can't recall his name right off the top of my head, but it, uh, Jeffrey's not illustrating that one. Okay. And for people might be curious, for both of you, is this full-time? This is what this is what you guys do, or do you have lots of different efforts and I mean, because Jeffrey, we just learned, is also a rapper and you know, has has a lot of different skill sets. Is young adult um, literature how you spend your time full time, or are there a variety of different pursuits? Jeffrey, so, you go first. 
I do do, uh, I wear a lot of hats, definitely wear a lot of hats. I do a little bit of uh, promotion and marketing. Uh, I do a little bit of coaching, individual one-on-one coaching and group coaching um, for trading. And I do do, of course, the children's book. And like, I love everything that I do. So I don't even consider it work, really. It's just life, life as it is. And I'm a professor at Fayetteville State University uh, full-time, and I do children's literature also (laughs) full-time. So we create uh, picture books and occasionally young adult books. Fascinating. Well, this has been really interesting and just so interesting to open up a topic that, you know, a lot of people engage in, read a book to their kids or buy something for their teenager, but not know the process behind it and how much effort and care is put into it and how the whole thing comes together. It's fascinating. And it sounds like it's going to be an amazing book um, and and, in a long line of amazing books that you both have worked on um, collaboratively and and independently. Um, Before we go, we always ask people if they have a favorite historic place or site. So we'll start with Carol and we'll move over to Jeffrey. Well, I think I was just going to say Copperville. Um, the, the, the land in Copperville that's been in our family since Reconstruction is where I feel rooted. And it's my little piece of paradise. It's on uh, located on Leeds Creek. And uh, the, like I said, the land um, has been in our family uh, since Reconstruction, except for a, a, a brief time, maybe about 20 years uh, when it was held in other hands. But my parents bought it back. Um, my great grandfather had gone blind and had to sell part of it. So he bought it back. And then I recently bought back another piece of it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my piece of paradise. I like it. That's a great place. Jeffrey. Well, she stole the words right out of my mouth. I definitely feel the most connected to the Eastern shore. You know, I, I have a lot of memories there. I grew up, um, going to the Eastern shore every summer. Um, and, and like riding my bike all through the, the, the back roads and going fishing and talking to my relatives who I didn't even know they were relatives. So, you know, my mom would say, Hey, you know, that was your cousin that you were just talking to, or we got a cousin Tom down there and cousin Mary over here. And just, you know, uh, felt like, um, a place that my family was all throughout. And, you know, I still love going there to this day. Well, that's a, a wonderful place to end. Just a really fascinating and fun conversation. And I hope we can have you back um, when you publish the next one and uh, talk about all the good work that you're doing and hope to see you out uh, either on the shore or in Baltimore at some point. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Nick. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to preservecast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation, and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening, and keep on preserving.